Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I am your host, Neve Brannigan, and I am joined with the head of Irish Film London, Jerry Maguire. How are you, Jerry? Yeah, not too bad, Neve. Nice to talk to you again. You too, you too. So loads have happened, um, has happened over in London. We had loads of Irish Film London screenings over the last while. How did they go? We have indeed. We had all of our screenings for our series, The Irish for Hope, in the last couple of weeks. Um, they went really well, you know. Um, we started off with Wolf Walkers and the Dating Amber um, on our first weekend. Um, and you had Rio. a Q&A for that as well. I did. I had Fionn O'Shea who kindly came up and joined us for um, the Q&A for that. Um, and a really interesting artist who works for Fringe Film Festival in London called Kai Fionn, um, who came and hosted that for us. And that was a nice wee discussion, um, which we've recorded. And with everyone's permission, hopefully we'll get out to you um, sometime in the future. Um, and... We had a break of a week or so, and then we went to the Bertha Dock House and did a screening of songs for While I'm Away, Emo Reynolds' um, Phil Linnett documentary, which has been an RTE one in the meantime, I think. Um, it has, in fact, because I was doing some work at home in Fermanagh last week, and it came on on the telly, and it was quite surreal to see it on the telly after having like watched it in the cinema the same week. Mm. So, um, so we had that, and then... Um, Last weekend gone by, we had our last two, which was the eighth, with uh, a Q&A with Aideen Kane, one of the directors, Alva Smith and Andrea Horan. And then we finished out the programme with as, uh, a selection of short films. So we've had eight short films, which we played on Sunday the 21st, I think. Yeah, it went really well, Neve. Like it went so well at Bertha Dock House that we got um, two extra bookings for Songs for While I'm Away over this weekend gone by. So fantastic yeah this bank holiday weekend in london has seen the film on in the dock house screen um at curzon bloomsbury uh two more times so that's a that's a big success um really really nice feedback from people who attended we had lots of filmmakers in for the short screening um i mean a lot of us went for dinner on sunday night together filmmakers and and stuff so it was that that was really nice Yeah. yeah Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's been nice. It's been nice. So a nice little tester in the waters for our future events. First time back in the cinema since yeah. for IFL since like November, 2019. So wow. yeah, it was really, really nice to do it. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, fantastic. I'm so glad it went well. And um, there's kind of a lot is kind of happening. Uh, nearly every week, there seems to be a new Irish film releasing, which is amazing. So we had The Bright Side. Um, yeah. And now we have Redemption of a Rogue is also released this week. There was always uh, there was also The Boys from County Hell. Mm. Um, and you were saying there's a few more as well. It's just kind of nonstop. Oh, September's got a good Irish film out near enough every week. I think that I think Friday the 17th of September. I think it's the 17th. I, I must check. It's got like three Irish films out on the same day um, in UK cinemas. And well, hopefully, hopefully in most places. But I think so we've got Wildfire coming out on September 3rd. Um, and then we've got uh, on that, that weekend of the 17th, I know that we've got Rose Plays Julie and we've got Mark Cousins' new film, The Story of Looking. Uh, on the same day and a little Irish film or a little film with an Irish director called A Brixton Tale is out that day as well. That's that played at Galway earlier this year. Um, so yeah, loads of stuff happening. There's a, a new Irish film out near enough every week for people to to dive into. 
Amazing. I was looking at um, the news on Screen Ireland this week and I saw that they have a new scheme out called Expollinator. It's kind of a follow up from their 2020 scheme incubator. And this one is called Elevator. And right. it's a new development program to seek out um, and to identify and support up to 20 emerging uh, diverse female and non-binary writers and directors. So I just thought that was amazing and definitely wanted to give that a shout out on here that today. That sounds really cool. Is that open right now? Yeah, exactly. So it's open to kind of, uh, unfortunately, the still underrepresentation in gender diversity amongst writers and directors across the industry. Mm-hmm. So Elevator will be there to kind of help female and non-binary talent. So um, yeah, it's really cool. They're really kind of pushing it, which is fantastic. So That's definitely, uh, if anyone is interested in that, uh, take a, take a look. Sounds like a good scheme. I must check that out. I'm obviously not eligible, <laughs> but like it sounds like a good scheme. It's worth worth keeping abreast of these things as well, you know. Exactly. And Jerry, did you have any uh, cinema trips this week or in the last two weeks? So I've been hanging out with my kids this last week and sort of like doing a bit less work or working more in the evenings, actually. Uh, so my one cinema trip was to go to see the Paw Patrol movie. Oh. Yeah. So all five stars. Oh, of course, of course. (laughs) Five stars for it managing to keep my two kids and my two nephews busy for 88 whole minutes. Amazing. I think that was well, like, I enjoyed that. I would enjoy that as well, just to see them, you know, enjoying the magic of cinema and stuff as well, you know, it's just so great and it's never lost on them, which is amazing. That's it. Do you know what? Do you know what I noticed as well, right? So every kids film that I go to see, it's like, it doesn't matter what's in it. It's for the kids. They're the yeah. world's they're the world's worst slash best critics because they because <laughs> they always tell you everything was great. But there's always like, I don't know what it is. I think it's when 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 the music comes in in some scenes to like heighten the emotion, and you're sat there in the cinema in this enveloping experience, and there's yeah. lots of bass and surround sound and stuff, and I always cry. Oh. and there was like there was two or three moments in the Paw Patrol movie and like it's not a it's not an emotional film I know like, it's for toddlers you know yeah but and you're I'm, buying into it and, yeah, yeah yeah and I'm sat there going come on Chase you can do it <laughs> and your kids are like dad get it together <laughs> yeah yeah thankfully they're watching the screen and not me trying to sneakily wipe my eyes you know yeah. <laughs> So bringing your kids was it was just an excuse for you to let out a, a bit of a mouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just an outlet. <laughs> well, one film that isn't. I mean, it definitely is actually emotional. When I watched Redemption of a Rogue, which is this week's podcast, yeah. it really kind of hit me in different ways. I'm really, really excited for for more people to see it. It's out in mm. cinemas now and it's it really kind of hits home I think with Irish people but also it's so mad and wonderful that there's <laughs> it, still it's definitely mad yeah, yeah but there's still such a, a like underlying thing of being relatable or like or real as mad oh, as yeah. it is yeah, yeah it yeah. is really kind of real and that what I loved as well what you'll hear in in our chat is the sense of community in the film yeah so obviously um the director Philip Doherty shot it um in Cavan and he's from Cavan mm. and everyone the Cavan community just massively came together to help him out and to help make it because they obviously had such a low budget and 
little things of just I think it's so Irish in that sense of everyone just helping helping yeah. out and you know getting stuck in and you know we'll worry about that after you know all that kind of stuff as well so um, yeah yeah it's definitely a really fantastic film I'm looking forward to to more people seeing it so yeah just as an overall for for people who haven't seen it yet the kind of tagline that they're giving it is it's a Bible black comedy about a prodigal son returning to his hometown to seek salvation for his sins. So if that it doesn't sell it, I'm not sure what will. <laughs> it's you know really what? fantastic. The, the comedy in it is it is as dark as it comes, you know, <laughs> but it's but it's hilarious. It's a hilariously funny film. And I find myself as well, like just what you were saying about kind of it being community focused when mm. I was watching it. There's so much I recognized about, I don't know, small town life in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of, you know, it's based around a small town community and everything and the, the practices and the traditions and the we sort of many cultures that we have and so on, like in the places where I grew up. Um, but yeah, not afraid to, not afraid to take the hand away. But like, exactly, that's so Irish as well, though. Like, even yeah. if, you know, in the worst situations, we'll always try and find the funny side of it anyway. Exactly. And I was lucky enough to, I am um, on this week's podcast. I have the director and writer Philip Doherty. I have the lead Aaron Monaghan, um, and then I also have Ash O'Mara and Kieran Roach as well. So I've got the whole crew in here today to uh, to chat about the film. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. And I will talk to you soon, Jerry. Talk to you soon, Dave. Bye. And just a quick reminder before I hand you over to today's episode, if you enjoy everything that we have to offer for you guys, our podcasts, our short films program, and all of our events that are soon to be coming up, definitely do consider becoming a member or a champion and support Irish Film London. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Philip. Erin, Kieran, and Ash, thank you so much for coming on to the Irish Film London podcast. We're delighted to have you all on, not just one of you. Usually it's delighted to have you on, but all of you in one room. Um, and first of all, I just want to say well done on an incredible film. It's absolutely mad and wonderful all at the same time. So thank you all for coming on. So I want to start off with uh, Philip. Um, I want to start with you because you are obviously the writer and director of the film. So talk to me about the inspiration and kind of what the writing process was like. Yeah, well, hello, Neve. Thanks for having us on. Um, it's a relief that you like the film. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, the, the, the writing process um, was a long and arduous uh, journey, I guess, um, I guess the story comes from um, personal experiences, a lot of it. Um, you know, the, the, the world that you see, Cavan, or the version of Cavan, is pretty much the world I grew up in, in all its kind of absurdity and larger-than-life eccentric characters with that sardonic droll wit. So, yeah, I, I grew up with those people and grew up with those characters. And um, and I guess, you know, the main inspiration for this, that was for the world of the film, but for the story itself, um, I, I spent a lot of time in my 20s kind of, you know, leaving Cavan and going traveling around um, different parts of the world. And, but it always ended in some sort of um, shameful failure where I'd return with this guilt riding on my shoulders, penniless and broke and stuck in Cavan for, for quite a while <laughs> before I could go again. So I think that, that was probably the, that sort of prodigal son character that was returning home was probably always there. It was a story idea I had for a while coming from that was kind of um, 
this character returning to his hometown to settle old scores and um, you know face up to his past and but he'd one day to live and that was kind of I, I wasn't quite sure what form that would, would take so I started writing Redemption of a Role but it wasn't a case where um, I um, this is my first screenplay I had some money to write um, a film from Cavan County Council a small amount of money to make a film enough to make a, a small short really and um, so I, I wrote three other screenplays before this and they were kind of like these sprawling uh, plotless wacky comedies that um, any producer that read them not only did they not like them they just wouldn't answer the phone after it it was kind of um but that that's what kind of came out I didn't I was kind of learning how to write a screenplay and um so it took me a while probably to have the courage to write Redemption of a Row because it was you know coming from quite a, um, a dark emotional place as well but eventually I did get the courage to write Redemption of a Rogue and really go after it. And then when I was writing it, all those personal experiences came back to me. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't set out to write a comedy. That was just a story that I was writing. And yeah, you know, I grew up in a, in, in a family that was um, very Catholic, you know, so there was figurines all over the house. I was brought to church a lot as a kid. So it wasn't that far-fetched for me to imagine this supernatural world with all these religious figurines and talking statues and these things happening. And yeah, growing up in Cavan, the GEA ran it like a, like the mafia, pretty much, um, as I'm sure a lot of towns in Ireland. And so, yeah, things like being bed up on the dance floor for enjoying yourself. <laughs> um, for, um, you know, and, 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 and all the sort of hurts and things like that would probably have come from a very um, personal place. And I guess one of the important things I wanted to kind of say with it, or not intentionally say, it just kind of came out when I was writing it, was to kind of lift a lid on how surreal um, and how the crazy places that the mind can go in it when you're in a very dark space, but also kind of really show how absurd and how surreal those those, those roads that you can go down or the mind can let you go down and to, to show it in as honest, but how comedic and how surreal, and how strange and bizarre that is and to kind of lift the lid on that and, um, and to show that no matter how dark things can get that, you know, there's always a there's always humour that can pull you out of that. There's always com comedy that can take you out of that unbearable situation. So there absolutely, you know. absolutely. Well, that definitely shines through. And I think it's quite an Irish thing, though, as well, that sometimes Irish people just, they, you know, just make the, the best out of even the most awful situations. But as you said, it's it's set in Cavan, which is where you're from. So was it quite satisfying to, to shoot something from where you're from and to involve the Cavan community in the process? Yeah, completely. Well, I don't think I could have done this anywhere else. In the, no, there's no way I could have done this anywhere else in the world um, because we had a very small amount of money for the shoot. It was kind of in my, it's kind of looming over me for a while because how, how are you going to do this on such a small budget? It's just not possible. And that's what everyone was telling me, especially with the script that I wrote, um, Redemption of a Rogue, and it was quite an ambitious script. I actually bottled it at one stage um, and wrote a different version of Redemption of a Rogue, which Aaron sadly read. <laughs> um, you got duped. You signed up to the, a wrong film. No, yeah, well, I mean, I, I was I was chatting to Aaron before about the, the storyline and stuff like that, but I, 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 it was with the amount of money I had, which was 45,000 for the shoot, um, producers saying this wasn't possible. So I wrote a different version, which was just lads shouting at each other in rooms. So it wasn't, it wasn't very cinematic or it wasn't very visual. And, um, but then Shane Connaughton, um, he's, he's a friend of mine, he's a screenwriter. Um, he read both versions of the script and he basically said, don't do this other version. You have to go after Redemption of a Rogue. 
So I guess there was a big community in Cavan. I was running an art space with um, a couple of other, a few other people, visual artists. Um, and there was this great community and network of, of people that were making big theater production and big installations. You know, a lot of designers, visual artists, musicians, actors, builders. And I think everyone just rode in behind us because we hadn't done a film project. And it was just wonderful for all those people to come together. They're all extraordinary, talented people. So. We all just went for it and did it. And it was that because of that community of artists that we were able to kind of maybe make something on this scale. Well, it was it definitely felt like there was a community vibe to it for sure. Um, and Aaron, I'd love to chat to you about your character, Jimmy, who is a troubled man with uh, with a lot going on under the surface. Um, so talk me through Jimmy and kind of then how you came about Redemption of Rogue. Um, yeah, it's it's curious to hear. Um, Philip talking about his 20s and, and, and coming home in failure and stuff like that. Like there's obviously a lot of that in it. Um, uh, what, what, what Philip didn't say is the good thing that has come out of him being in Cavan, um, which is like, you know, he's talking about the arts collective there of which he was uh, front and center of it. Um, so like we're around the same age, myself and Philip and I, like, um, uh, and we kind of went off on similar but different paths. And my path took me very much out of Cavan to the point where I wanted to go back because there was this huge, brilliant, emerging art scene happening. Um, and it was very, very much uh, a lot of the reason, a lot of the cause of that was Philip. He just had this amazing uh, group of people behind him. Um, and that's, I, I, we've been talking for years about trying to do something together and dates or whatever never quite worked out um, and I remember like I remember sitting in his office in this theatre that he was running that we used to do youth drama in and I, he, I was like he, he was like I'm, I'm gonna write a film and I want you to be in it and in my head I was like I'm doing it I'm just doing it anyway before he's before he's told me um I'm just I just agreed to it because uh, I wanted to do a Philip film and I wanted to do a Calvin film um, and then he 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 went through the story of it, and it's like, it's typical Philip stuff. It's it's uh, metaphorical. It's hilarious. It's dark. Um, it's ambitious. Um, and I hope hope Philip will forgive me for saying this, but I always wonder like that. Um, Philip's ambition is massive, and I'm just sometimes don't think that is that he's he's not burdened by things like practicality. Uh, like in the way that I am so when he's talking about like how much money do you have to make this Philip but he told me how much and I was like you're not going to be able to hire a rain machine for like a week on that um, and you've got rain in 80% of it but I was like he'll do it we'll, we'll find a way to do it that's so we I think if this is right Philip I think you kind of said that we would be filming it within a year like a year a year later mm -hmm. um, and I did read that version of it um, uh, and and I don't really know what to say with that. Like you were very hard on yourself about it, but I remember kind of, I, I will be honest. I was like, oh, it's not, it's not the one that we talked about. Um, and but you I, said you were going to do it, Aaron. So absolutely, <laughs> I, I was in. And, and I, like, I don't, I don't mind saying I was disappointed that we suddenly weren't going to make the film that he sat in his office talking about. Um, and, and then shortly after that, I remember, I, I think I got a phone call from me. I remember this quite clearly that you had, I think you talked about Pat McCabe and Shane Connaughton and he kind of said, no, make that. And you just had this um, new energy and enthusiasm uh, for 
this other version you know you've gone off this other track and you come back to it and you re, you kind of come back to it with much more fervor um and yeah i mean the script arrived and it was it was terrific and like we i think i think we did a good bit of talking about it and kind of throwing ideas around like at the very last minute and like um yeah and then i don't know well i was in anyway i was like we're going to make a film in cavern um I, it's kind of unique that a, a county council will put their name on a film. And I mean, like uh, the the arts scene, the arts office, and the council um, have been very good to me uh, over the course of my career. So yeah, I was like, you have to do this, not a question. That's not talking about the film. That's just my commitment to it. No, definitely. And so, so was there kind of a and an area there for it to be kind of a quite collaborative thing because you were in on it so early on uh, no i know in fairness no i mean like what what i think what philip pitched originally is kind of what and ended up on the page and it was um i think we did a day in smock alley where i think i just asked questions of things and i was like what you know think things that i didn't necessarily understand um, I, I asked him questions and and we kind of talked through. So is that right, Philip? Do we? Do we? Yeah, yeah, we did it then. You were very generous with some great ideas as well, and um, but yeah, you, you ironed out a good few things as well. It was just good to get someone from another perspective reading it in the first. So first time reading it through actually was a, was a great thing to do for me. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah. And Kieran, your role of Damien, which is Jimmy's brother. Um, who also has a lot of kind of underlying issues going on, uh, particularly with uh, a group of people who love to kind of threaten them throughout the film. Um, but in your head, what does Damien do? Like we know that he used to look after his father for a few years when he was sick and we do kind of get snippets of, of an insight into him. But in your head as the actor of having a fully fleshed out idea of him, Chat to us about Damien. Well, I, well I'd, I had to come up with ideas pretty quick. I came on to it pretty late, and uh, it was my understanding that we would be doing the lads shouting at each other in rooms movie. So <laughs> That's what you signed up for. Yeah, I was bitter <laughs> disappointed on the first day of set. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a lot of not washing, basically. It just seemed kind of feral. So method. Method, yeah, yeah. Methods weeks before the shoot. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. He just kind of seemed fully formed on the page. There was something kind of feral about him, something kind of erratic and seemed like a guy who uh, couldn't quite get right, had a lot of resentment against Jimmy, obviously, for obvious reasons, and kind of wanted what he felt uh, was coming to him, um, which without giving too much away, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. Well, I really believed that the two of you were brothers. There's kind of an inherent weirdness and shorthand um, about the brothers that worked really well tonally between the two of you. So how did you both kind of develop that that shorthand or was it just kind of on the spot in the moment? I, I think it was just absolutely necessarily in the moment, like with Kieran come on late. Um, I did, I'd never met Kieran before, which is really unusual in Dublin because everybody knows everybody. It's a small artistic circle. Um, but he came in on and his first day is, I think his first shot was the fight. So yeah. we just had like, you know, there was no stunts or anything like that. Wasn't I was like, just going to you know, ask, did you both do your own stunts? <laughs> no, it was, yeah. I mean, it was all just improvised. And that was like, I'm, I don't know what it was like for you, Karen, but like, 
just kind of going, how do I begin to slap this person in the face? And, and <laughs> yeah. Then, so yeah, that was a big one for you, wasn't it? Yeah, and we didn't. Shane Brohan, I think, uh, did uh, one stunt for me just to give Shane a shout out. And uh, yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous coming on set for a sec because you know it, it, it was late and it was all kind of new to me, and um, I, I was trying not to get in, inside my own head too much. And uh, so it was very helpful that the first thing we would do would be um, so physical, you know, with kind of a little block, and we just kind of improvise it and see what goes on. And I think I think. We, two of us had a conversation where it was like can I wrangle you about a bit yeah can, can I wrangle you about a bit yeah can I throw you can I slap you, you know what I mean and um, that kind of shook the cobwebs off and if there was any dynamic or tone or whatever to be established I suppose it was kind of done there and then through violence well it really <laughs> it, it felt like you guys had like workshopped it and you know done you know kind of days together and everything so it's pretty impressive that that was all uh but it also felt really kind of rich and in the moment. So clearly it was. Yeah. Um, I'd love to move on to Ash, your character, Masha, who is um, Polish. Um, I think she's such uh, like, she's just so, such a welcomed character in, in the film. She's so warm. And I think she's kind of like that little beacon of hope um, and kind of positivity that, uh, that the film yearns for as well. So what was your kind of prep for the role and did you have any inspirations or uh, or what was your work pre the film like? Learn the lines. Nice. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, I kind of, I don't know, like, God, it feels so long ago now. Um, read over it a lot, thought about her a lot, kind of had conversations with Philip of like, you know, who is she? She's the outsider. But yes, I think there's... She is the outsider, but it's so freeing when you're the outsider because you don't care. Mm. And she has this kind of, she doesn't care what people think about her, which is kind of her superpower in such, I feel, with Masha, that she kind of, in her reckless, she kind of owns it. You know, she kind of goes for what she wants and she doesn't let things get in her way. Um, I think she feels hard and she hasn't had a chance in this world to be able to feel or to love. So when someone else shows a small bit of kindness to her, she begins to open up in her own way. I feel. Did I answer that? Yeah, you did very oh. well as well. <laughs> no, that definitely comes across because it's a, I you definitely see that that she is kind of yearning for someone to welcome her or to for or Once, to to love there's, her. There's a, yeah, there's a huge want in her, and I think everyone wants to be wanted or accepted. Isn't that all what we kind of want in the world? So I think. When Jimmy, she sees him and he stands up for her once, I think something in her head has, has opened that she would have been very closed off beforehand. So Definitely. It's lovely and so, so kind of then contrasting from Masha as the kind of little beacon of hope. So Aaron, how did you find kind of your process for Jimmy of stepping in and out of such a kind of character who's in such a dark place for pretty much a lot of the film mm -hmm. um yeah in, in 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 some ways um in some ways playing a dark character in a very colorful film is kind of easy i mean the temptation is to make it funny but it's it's actually my job to be the straight guy in the film and everybody else is kind of just kind of outrageous really they're 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 very funny characters they're um and then you know I think with 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 Masha, uh, he sees somebody, he recognizes somebody who, like him, 
sees a different sees the world in a different way that isn't all about you know ga and begrudgery <laughs> and and judgment um and i think that's kind of what opens them up i mean i think i, I was worried throughout the, like so so much of my delivery in this film is it's kind of counter to what i get cast as a lot of the time but my delivery throughout most of the film is it never kind of rises above a, a kind of a, a tone where I'm just kind of doing this all the time. And I was kind of worried, like, is there going to be anything uh, intonationally different about this film? But um, no, it was kind of, that was the challenge, just holding your nerve and kind of being the straight guy to all the madness that's happening around them. And that's, that's the kind of joy of it. Um, the, everybody else makes the film work for me, you know, I think. Exactly. Actually, that's what I was going to move on to was there's such a there's so many strong performances throughout, even in smaller scenes. Um, so kind of for such a large cast, there's no one that drops the ball. You know, you were really kind of blessed with a really strong supporting cast with some familiar faces that people might know, like Liz Fitzgibbon and Kevin McGahern and then some new ones as well that we haven't seen before. So. Philip, what was it like, the kind of casting process for such a kind of actually really what feels like a bit of an ensemble piece? Yeah, the casting process. So, I, you know, um, as regards the, the main cast and supporting cast, I mean, I didn't, I pretty much knew everyone from, from, on, on that from theatre, really, not, not, not film. Um, I'd seen everyone on stage or I'd worked with them before. Um, but then the, the supporting, supporting cast coming around it, um, so we we um, I done a lot of theatre in Cavan with community cast. So I, I I kind of in my head I had to pick potentially of all these people to work with. Um, so yeah, I I, um, I I did auditions in Cavan, open auditions for a lot of just to see who was there because I wanted to kind of see everyone in the area that would have interest. And I've done open auditions for theatre before, and you know you get seven, five, four people turning up, <laughs> and, then, and then when I did the call out for a film like there was like over a thousand trying to get into auditions it was outrageous and uh, we had to cut it off at one point um Paula McQuillan was the girl that was um coordinating all of that and she just I don't know how she did it she did an extraordinary job um but I tried to see everyone and I took big groups at a time and then whittled it down and whittling down and there was a lot of you know young young performers as well um so that that whole process but it kind of showed that there was still magic in films that people had such a huge interest in the eccentric characters coming in as well um so yeah i i had a big pick from that to choose from and then a lot of the actors that i would have worked with before as well to come in but you're right um they all made my job very easy they were all brilliant and um yeah it, it was um it was great to work with those characters who, who kind of had the same spirit of those those characters anyway coming into it but yeah they were all, um, a lot of them were, were seasoned performers in their own right as well. So you've touched on there that um, you have a big background in theatre as well, which you all do. And I'd love to kind of get everyone's take on this as well, is how did you find um, uh, kind of film differing from theatre? And kind of do you prefer one to the other or what do you love about one and what do you hate about the other? Or kind of just because it's actually quite rare to be able to chat to, uh, creatives who, who who do it all guys you, you do it all <laughs> so I want to hear kind of what's uh what's what did you find different or the same so I'll start with Philip oh, right. <laughs> um 
Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I love both art forms. This is a very <laughs> diplomatic thing to say. Um, so I had made a couple of things. Um, so how I started making, doing anything in, in film was when I had a company called the Gonzo Theatre. Like, it was my own fringe company. I mean, everyone, I guess, has one when they're starting out. But um, And I, I, we started making these promo videos with, with a filmmaker called Finn Keenan, um, who's now a huge music video filmmaker. But like the, the, the promo videos were nearly getting more of a reaction to the plays that I was putting on. So that was the real kind of, um, when I first got a, a thirst for it. And then we made a web series on Storyland called The Begrudgers. And then I left it um, because I went to Dublin and started working in theatre. So I had a little bit of a crash course because of The Begrudgers. But then when I came back into it, it was quite scary. It was all brand new. And I absolutely loved it. I really did. Like, I mean, writing the screenplay was a completely different thing. It was thinking visually and structure to be very very tight so that was a completely different process and it took a long time which you know um i have i've been um guilty of the past for writing plays quite quickly and putting them on stage before they're ready <laughs> um but you can't do that with a screenplay it just won't work um so that was a whole discipline and then working with like my brother was production designer so i was well used to working with him but he was very experienced at working with in film and then working with Bershi Wagner, the cinematographer, that was a complete new experience. Um, and I loved working with him. He was very generous, uh, very creative. I went to see a short film in Clonus, the short films at Clonus Film Festival. It was just, and I saw Wave, which was one of the films. And I just loved the way it looked. It was a complete coincidence that that film I got to see. I mean, how often do we get to see short films in Clonus? And, um, and then when the producer said that Bershi might be interested in shooting it, that was a, a I was, it just felt right because he had this wonderful aesthetic. So working with him was great, working with producers, but all the prep that went into it was kind of, it was really different and, and, and working with the different departments. And yeah, I guess there's, um, my friend Darren Kelly sent me a video of um, a French filmmaker on set. It was kind of a parody. It's him walking around and just getting, um, getting 10 questions <laughs> every 20 seconds. And it's just batting. And it was a bit like that at times, but I absolutely loved it. But it, it, it was a great team that um, we were working with. Um, and the whole um, post-production editing process, hanging out with Alan Quigley, the editor, um, Paul Thomas Anderson made a comment there recently on a video that I saw. What, someone asked him the very technical question of what do you look for in a good editor? And he answered, just someone to hang out with <laughs> that I like hanging out with. And he's right, because you just, um, the editor, you spend your life, it's your new brother or your best friend. And I, I love kind of that whole process as well. Yeah, I completely fell in love with film and the whole in the whole making of this. But I think there's so many similarities between theatre and film. At the end of the day, it's a story and it's the actors that are at the forefront of the audience and it's them that the, the audiences connect with in both art forms. So we're just sort of, helping that process hopefully. And Kieran, how did you find uh, the difference? Have you done uh, a lot of film prior to this? No, no not at all really. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, almost exclusively theatre. The chunk, a good chunk of which has been with Phil. Like he was the, the first play I did outside, uh, out of drama school was um, a play with Phil uh, called The Birthday Man. And yeah, so this is my first time really uh, having any experience with film and um yeah so i don't i was kind of learning on the fly i remember some teacher lecturer or whatever saying you know the thing you hear all the time which is you know stage is big screen is small and i was like that sounds stupid and then you come to something like redemption it's like well that's completely out the fucking <laughs> you can't be small here at all um but in terms of like the learning curve um 
I know, yeah, it's kind of boring stuff. There's just technical things I had to get my head around that are that, that are quite different and things you uh, just need to get comfortable with. Um, but once I did, it was a ball, particularly on this set, um, because I didn't get rained on as well all that much, you know what I mean? So I stayed dry for the majority of it. So um, I could just go around my hot water bottle and my tea going, this is nice. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, just, uh, yeah, they're both, they're both very, very different. I feel I haven't done much of the film to to you know say what what those differences are with much certainty but um uh different in their own ways great in their own ways and it's definitely something i'd like to do a lot more of in film definitely you know definitely sure. and Aaron, you're you're the same you're um uh you kind of come from a theater background as well but you also had um uh, a film in the galway film plot as well that was uh, uh last weekend called ghostlight which was fantastic so um you're kind of juggling the two as well how are you finding that um yeah i i i i i'm coming to the conclusion that they're the same thing and i i i you, like I love watching films. I've always loved watching films, but the making of films, um, like I don't know, fifteen years ago, I kind of hated it. I just, um, I'm, I'm partly, I don't, I don't anymore. I've, I've journeyed to this love of them, but like, uh, I used to do so much theatre, and theatre requires so much of your energy, so much of your time, so much of your commitment, um, and it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like being busy. I like a lot being asked of me. Um, I like the gratification um, and the satisfaction of, of theatre and the, the immediacy of it. Um, so, you know, you're doing, you're playing a, a role like seven or eight nights a week to a couple of hundred people. And then somewhere in the middle of the day, you're kind of, I don't know, you're doing a day on set where they're, you know, they're kind of treating you like a kid. <laughs> and they're kind of going oh, don't, don't move anywhere now we get you your dinner and you know um, and you might only be doing three lines four times and you're like Jesus I could do this in my sleep so I, I find that really hard to um, I find it really hard to kind of weigh up in my in my head to kind of give the making of film any sort of uh, gravity or kudos um, and as well it's funny what Philip was saying about like asking people to audition for theatre and getting a handful of people but if it's film, you know, people are out the door. It just, it just has, I, I used to kind of feel um, kind of angry about that, that like theater just wasn't on the same level of respect. And it was, and, it, and, and yet I think it required, I used to think it required so much more energy. Um, but in the last like 10 years, I've, I've really kind of, uh, I've, I've had a respect for, I, I realized that my lack of respect for the pro process of filmmaking was my, was my lack of understanding for what's going into it in terms of the, the development, in terms of getting people in front of the camera. Um, and I used to feel as an actor in front of the camera, I had so little control, like everything, like you were the least, and you are into a, a great degree, the least important thing um, in the shot to a large degree. Um, whereas in theater, you are kind of the, the most important thing. And I, I suppose I've realized now that like, you know, learning a lot more and even making stuff and, and kind of been involved in the making of of, of uh, stuff for camera. Um, I have a lot more respect for it. And I realized that like, uh, it's exactly the same process as an actor. It really is. It's, it's literally just being alive to the moment and letting 
circumstances around you happen and like you, you obviously kind of craft your performance and you decide where it's going to go but you also I used to always say that the, the moment on stage that you were looking for is the moment where you could just yield to whatever happens to whatever the other actor is going to give you or whatever you know way the play is going to come out of you tonight um, and I used to think that uh, film isn't about that it's about reproducing the same moment again and again and again um, but it's not at all actually it's, it's exactly the same thing and I find that I find it a very enjoyable process now uh, and a lot of that's down to Redemption of a Rogue as well getting to kind of go through the whole journey of a film uh, of a character throughout uh, a film that was very helpful that's very lovely sorry no that probably really that's why it really suited yourself and Kieran to not have done a lot of kind of prep work before do you know as in having been being able to get together because then it was so life at the time and it felt so uh so in the moment like theater does um and ash what about you how do you find because you're also a a uh, a stage actor as well how do you find the difference between the two yeah i think i'm kind of the same as aaron that i played day players a lot before i've ever did this before and again it's um it's a, it's a, it's it's an energy thing, I think, as well, because when you go into theatre, you might have to do a show for two or three hours and you're prepping maybe two hours before. Well, you're prepping the whole day, but essentially you're, you're you're maybe doing your warm up for an hour before you go on and all that jazz. But you're prepping the whole day. But to use the energy when you're filming to hold your energy mm. in the right way, when you might be having to wait um, and getting to know this character inside out. There's a lot of prep work, you know, like when you come into a play, you, you're lucky you have rehearsal time. You might have three or four weeks. Well, four weeks now if you're lucky. But um, with 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 this work, you you prep on your own a lot. Um, and I think that for me was very unusual because you're kind of on your own. And then you have a moment with your director and whoever your screen partner is. Sometimes when you're walking down a hall before you say the lines, but luckily on this, um, Philip was amazing. He was really freeing to us to let us make our own choices. And then would also go back and go, well, I think about this and think about this. And again, it's to play a character for the whole thing, like to play in that kind of for the whole film has completely opened my eyes in a completely different way to go. Oh, yeah, no, this is this is cool. I'd love to you do more film <laughs> like everyone else would. But again, the team was so lovely like it was such a nice open team and everyone wanted the best for us there was no one who wanted this piece to be um bad not that anyone ever wants things to be bad but I mean like everyone was in it to win it if that makes sense definitely and myself and Ash were actually at a chat today which kind of links into this quite nicely as well they were talking about actors and and how to um kind of cope with downtime and uh in between jobs and all that kind of stuff and um one thing that was said that um that's actually quite nice is like the difference between one of the kind of differences between theater and film is that with theater you're kind of so in it for so long together and then it's over and that's it um and Polly McGlynn was saying you know there's nearly kind of a bit of a mourning going on there um after whereas with film obviously you do finish but then you get to revisit it again when it's uh when you're in the editing stage or when it's finished and you get to see it again and you kind of get to see everyone again so I think that's quite nice as well that it kind of that process and that experience is, is dragged out which is quite nice and um, there's I also wanted to, I did want to ask Erin you touched on it there I wanted I need to ask about the rain machine although it genuinely wouldn't be surprising if it did rain for the entire shoot but I imagine there was no one. no it snowed 
Oh wow. Okay. So I wanted to know what that what what that was like going to work, knowing that you were most likely going to be soaked to the bone for the majority of the day, cast and crew. I imagine there was, there was one day. I think it was towards the end of the shoot. I remember looking at the call sheet and going, oh, "I don't get rained on today." Um, and um, wow. and and by the end of the day, I think something had moved, and and I did get rained. <laughs> I don't know what I think it was a unit move or something. It was. I don't. I am. I, I. don't know. I. It, it was like it's obviously tough, but it's your job. I mean, like it's. It's kind of like what I was saying about the theater thing as well. Like I've had horrible things to have to endure on the theater, but it's your. I'm not complaining about it. Um, it's it's your job, and we all got wet and we all got cold. But like, um, th- there was. It it was hard. It was it was it was it was cold and, um. Yeah, I, I don't know if in, in my head, and maybe I'm a martyr, but I'm like, I'm just, this is this is what the shot requires. This is what the story requires and the play requires. But like you were, you'd be around people and you'd have pe- like people like Michelle, the makeup artist and, and Noelle Slack, who did, you know, the um, the art direction or not the art, but the props and stuff like that. Um, and the look of concern on their face uh, was kind of like they were amazing they kind of say you're kind of turning blue now I, I used to know that if, if it got too cold I used to my head just used to kind of retreat inside itself um um it's just it's just like it's costing too much energy to think so I'll just be quiet for a moment but like it's the job and we we all got wet and it was uh no matter how wet you were you were always looking out at like guys holding up rain machines exactly it's not just the cast yeah the crew as well you have to remember and and, and as well you know like this this is the job it's it's 80 percent raining in this script and those rain like this wasn't one rain machine it was three rain machines that those guys built and they will never get enough credit for that like there was one is this right philip the the the, the rig where we were where we were fighting in the street they had built this incredible rig um that on a scaffold that crossed the entire street and was meters and meters long like the entire street was raining so like you're never feeling too sorry for yourself because you're kind of going this is fucking amazing how this is being made and, uh, so that, that's where your head goes a lot of the time and Ash, did you say it snowed one day well the, no the first day i came down to shoes um it was it was snowing like it was just when was it June or February? February, February, June, Jeremy, February, and it was just—it was just snowing. It was like it was—it was minus degrees. It was—it was cold, um, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is going to be interesting when the rain falls and it turns to ice." Thank <laughs> you. And what were you going to say there? You were just inside with your hot water bottle. I don't know if you can comment on this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I got off pretty scot free. I know. It's the, what we, am I? mistaken in saying they were called the water boys <laughs> the rain the rain dude yeah yeah well they had yeah we <laughs> called the rain man we wanted to turn up at the rap party dressed as tom cruise and dustin hoffman <laughs> yeah and then there was another nickname hey, called man. the water boys <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so great but philip i wanted to chat to you about the uh, music in the film um, there's quite a lot uh, of music to, there's uh, throughout the film there's kind of intervals of music on the street mostly uh, which I loved and uh, like the music particularly stood out to me it was kind of one of those films where I actually came away wanting to go back and listen to the soundtrack um, so was it important to you to have a lot of Irish musicians and I also see that Robbie Perry composed your music who's also from Cavan so is that a kind of a long-standing relationship and 
uh, talk me through that. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so um, yeah, the original title for this was the long-winded and uh, Redemption of a Rogue, a blues opera. <laughs> slightly pretentious title. So um, it got shortened quite a lot to Redemption of a Rogue. Um, so Robbie Perry um, is a composer and a musician. Um, he's done a lot with Dead Can Dance and he's, and he's done a lot um, of his solo work. But I, I, I've always had live music in the theatre and, and Robbie's been one of the main guys I've worked with and one of the main musicians and he's an extraordinary talent. So um, the um, he was on board pretty much at, at the very start, like with my brother Joe in production design and Aaron. Um, so it, it was, um, he had read like an early draft of Redemption of a Rogue. I read it to him in the kitchen, I think, like so, um, one of the early drafts that wasn't for anyone else. Um, I, was, I wouldn't have shown Aaron that, that draft. So he was on board pretty much early on. And um, so that collaboration is really, really important. And music, as you see, is very important. It does take a surreal turn. It does, the other world is starting to encroach with the, extreme weather representing that other world kind of coming through in that undercurrent and it kind of lifts into this sort of dream world with the musicians and Robbie is such a brilliant musician and composer and he really helps bring the emotion of the film through and also I kind of wanted to have those surreal moments where it just doesn't stop for a song but more it's kind of a sly narration that they're moving the, the, the story like a, like a Greek chorus moving the narration forward as well. And Robbie composed a lot of the music, um, original composition, but there's a lot of other artists from Cavan, like Lisa O'Neill, like Karen O'Neill, like Dara Slack. Um, and um, so the voice of the area, um, are a lot of the musicians are from Cavan and Monaghan and Robbie Perry himself. And that was really, really important to me. And hopefully that comes across that everyone's kind of from that same, same land or, or that same place um, in, in the film. It does. And kind of chatting about community, then there is a kind of a, a sort of a mob mentality kind of as well throughout the town, the townspeople, uh, especially in the scene where uh, Masha is singing in, in the pub, you know, that kind of not wanting one of their own in the town. Um, so, Ash, like, how did it feel playing that outsider? I know you kind of commented on it a little bit earlier, but Loved you know, that it. yeah, the outsider and that kind of tight knit community you were just coming in there to to uh, to mess stuff up well I guess from I'm from Dublin anyway they didn't like me no I I loved her fire like she's she's electric and she kind of doesn't take no for an answer which she's really persistent in this film like so much so she might be called a stalker if it was opposite turned around <laughs> like if it was the boy chasing the girl um, sorry, there's a one-year-old's birthday going downstairs. That's why I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to love this. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I think for, for me with Masha, she she was so fiery and she kind of knew the area and she kind of understood her place in the area. So when her place began to get jolted a little bit with someone standing up for her, I think that kind of off-centered her a bit, but yet she wanted to push forward and see it through. Um, she's just so fiery and characters like that aren't written you know she's not she never talks about her family you know she we don't know if her mom or dad or brothers or whatever she never talks about ex-boyfriends she talks about what she wants and that's the credit to Philip that he wrote a female within this that just is only after her own wants and her own needs which is is can be really unusual 
Absolutely. Thanks, Philip. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, especially for female parts. I think they're developing so much. uh, And I think Masha is, she's so crucial to this film. Completely, but without being on the nose, because you do watch some things where you can feel a female role could be shoehorned in for, you know, what we need right now. But this felt very fluid and real, do you know? And was it the kind of dark undertone? I don't don't even know if undertones is the right word. It's just a tone <laughs> um, of uh, particularly of Jimmy being suicidal were dealt with in a very kind of subversive, almost matter of a fact way. The scene where he goes into the um, hardware store, it kind of uh, uh, is in my mind for that. But so the whole kind of not dancing around these topics, was that really something that you wanted present in the film, Philip? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was the, the the emotion. That was the main kind of feeling that was running through the the me at the time when I was writing the script. So it came from a very, a very personal place, I think. And um, so I tried to be as honest and 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 um and try and give an insight into where the mind can potentially go. So um I, I there wasn't that just wrote kind of in a very free way. It wasn't something I overanalyzed and just tried to write it as honestly as possible. Um, but yeah, that opening scene in the hardware store, um, yeah, it's quite deadpan. But I actually, I, I haven't said this before. Um, I wouldn't be the type, believe it or not now, Neve, to, to go into a hardware store too often. But I, I had to go into the hardware store to just even to buy a rope just to see how this would go. <laughs> Method, once again, get a director, to, you know, to be the actor, knows how it feels. <laughs> I went into this old, old hardware store. Uh, I won't say where, because if I did, everyone would know it in Cavan. Um, but, um, and I went in to buy a rope. And he actually, it, it, a lot of it was him, you know, really challenging me on the size and the length of it and what it's for. I couldn't tell him it was for a film and research for this scene. So um, it kind of grew and grew and grew in awkwardness. But yeah, so that that scene kind of came from me, you know, doing research that kind of got out of hand a little bit. But um, yeah, so, um, but yeah, I, I love black comedy. It's always a thing I've been drawn to. I think it's the, the purest expression of life because it's cruel and hilarious at the same time um it's it's dark and it's funny and you have good days and bad days or good moments and and, and hilarious moments and sad and i just it, i never set out to write a comedy just write the story but maybe i just can't resist the comedic moments and those cringy moments that happen along the way um but yeah i i, I tried to write it um as as honestly as i could and, and that's what ended up on the, on the page well it really really is fantastic and i can't wait for more people to see this film I really can't um so a bit of a rogue question excuse the pun um what uh if you could describe redemption of a rogue in one word what would it be I mean if the word goes into a sentence I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna hate but kind of roughly if you could describe it to everyone because it's so hard to describe I even tried to do this so that's why I'm putting it out there for you guys to try it so Karen, do you want to give it a go? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, one word I'm going to do a sentence. You can take out the word. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one word I could, keeps coming back to me about it for, for, for many reasons is um, 
maybe people will understand this when they actually see the film, which I hope they do, uh, is a uh, specificity. Mm. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Um, it's just the, 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 the town, the people, the humor. It's, it's very, very specific, especially to Cabin. And I don't know, it's my opinion, the more specific you make something, the more universal you make it. And there's many themes in this, without even being tied to Cabin, are very, very universal. So specificity is the word I would use. That's my answer. That's a good one. Because even to be honest, like even as as mad as the film is, it's there's it was points in it where it was very relatable or yeah. very kind of you could see that happening in front of you or, you know, like I know that person, you know, that person, I've got one of those in my life or or something like that. So definitely, definitely. Um, Aaron, what about you? That's a really hard one. Eve. It's like. I should have put this out there before, so you guys. I, were... <laughs> I, don't know, I just keep on thinking of the word irreverent, but like that—that's that, not. I I don't know. I think it's it's a Martin McDonough, Edgar Rice, Quentin Tarantino esque religious allegorical snapshot of modern small town Ireland. She said one. <laughs> <laughs> <Sentence>. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't make you want to go and see it, yeah. I don't. I really don't know what, what would. <laughs> what about you, Ash? Freedom. I just think the pieces are totally about freedom. Mm. That's what I like. Bonkers freedom, but um, freedom all the same. Like maybe love and freedom. Yeah, freedom. I don't know. Philip. Wet. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a different audience. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I know that's I. And two words, I guess. Letting go. Mm, definitely, definitely. Well, as I said, I'm really looking forward to uh, a lot more people seeing this film. So, Philip, can you tell our listeners where, um, where, and when people will be be able to see Redemption of a Rogue? Yes, yeah, so the 27th of August, seven days after my birthday, um, is, uh, it's going to be um, a national release in cinemas across the country, which is very exciting. I don't know all them cinemas at the moment, but it will be, and Wild Carter um, will be announcing that. Um, and yeah, hopefully people can come and see it and enjoy it and, and have a laugh. Exciting. Well, definitely keep up to date with us on social media and we will let you know when and where you can see Redemption of a Rogue. And thank you all so much for coming on to talk to me. I wish you all the very best with your journey with Redemption of a Rogue and your your own individual future successes. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank you. And that's it from us here today. Thank you so much for listening and thank you again to the Redemption of a Row crew for coming on to chat to me. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube so there's no getting away from us. And if you haven't had your short film Fill of the Month yet, go and check out our Irish Film From Home shorts programme. If you enjoyed the podcast and everything else we have in store for you guys, definitely do consider becoming a member to support us and to get free access to a lot of great films and to attend exciting events in the future. A final thank you to the Irish Emigrant Support Programme and Culture Ireland who've been brilliant supporters of ours for years. The Irish Film London podcast is produced by me, Neve Brannigan. We're edited by Owen Bill Cliff and our theme music is by Kevin MacLeod. Thanks again and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.